0: Starting and sustaining a business is hard. Whether you're just beginning or have been at it for a while and need a pick-me-up, you're about to get exactly what you need. Welcome to Go For It. Your host is Joe Hausman. Today, you'll hear stories from others on how to keep going and laugh while you learn. Here is your host, Joe Hausman.
1: Hello, and welcome to Go For It, my show here on Voice America. So glad you are with me today. Every week, every month, and every year. You guys make this show so awesome and so special. And of course, along with my awesome guest experts. You know that. I love featuring all my wonderful guest experts on this show. And you know what? But remember, I I rebranded my business, you guys, to Go For It Media Group. And so a lot of people go, okay, what does that mean? What does that Go For It? Because as you know, with my international best-selling book, Go For It, A Woman's Guide to Perseverance, it's all about people were asking me, How do I get on radio? How do I do podcasts? How do I get my name out there more through the media? And since I was referring a bunch of people for different media, I thought, might as well make a business out of it, right? Right. So now it's Go For It Media Group, and it's all about helping you raise your business level up to a higher level to help get you more on podcasts and radio shows, TV even, and also getting uh, articles for magazines written. Whatever it is that you're looking for to uh, grow your business through the media world, I'm here to help you. Me and my team are here to help you grow your business. So just reach out to me. I do offer a free 20-minute free consultation. And that is at joe at JoeHosman.com or joehosman.com the website address. And I know, you know what, I've had a lot of wonderful uh, clients who have just loved it, have loved the exposure that they're getting for their business. And you can too. So remember, go for it media group. That is at joehasman.com. Ladies and gentlemen, so as you know, I always bring on wonderful guest experts, and today is absolutely no different. My guest today is Bill Bronchek, and he, Bill and I came friends on Facebook through another gentleman, Don Lloyd, who is also a real estate investor. But uh, Mr. William Bronchek has been practicing law and investing in real estate since the early 90s, having been involved in thousands of real estate transactions. He has trained countless people all over the country to become financially successful, speaking to audiences of as many as 16,000 at mega events, sharing the stage with names like Rudy Giuliani, Steve Forbes, and Colin Powell. Colin Powell, his best-selling book, Flipping Properties, was named one of the 10 best real estate books of the year by the Chicago Tribune. William Bronchick is also the author of the highly acclaimed books Financing Secrets of a Millionaire Real Estate Investor. Wealth Protection Secrets of a Millionaire Real Estate Investor, Defensive Real Estate Investing, How to Sell a House Fast in a Slow Real Estate Market, and his latest work, The Business of Flipping Houses. Flip- <clears throat> Excuse me, my voice is just uh, getting me on something today. The Business of Flipping Homes. He is a f- co-founder and past president of the Colorado Association of Real Estate Investors and the executive director at- of the College of American Real Estate Investors. He has admitted to practice law before the bars of New York and Colorado. And Mr. Bill Bronchek, welcome to my show. Go for it.
2: I'm here to go for it. Thank <laughs> you for inviting me.
1: Awesome, Bill. Thank you so much. And I don't even know if you know this, Bill, but I used to live in Colorado. I lived there for seven years. And that's really oh, where my... That. Yeah, where my love for real estate investing actually started. Uh, mm-hmm. I, we, we had a house there for a short time, and then we ended up moving back here to the Midwest. But that's really where the love, and I really started learning more and more about real estate investing. So I'm here to learn from you, Bill, and my whole worldwide audience is also here to learn from you. So tell us a little bit about you, a little bit more than what the bio said, but also how you got to be doing real estate investing and you know, everything that goes along with that.
2: Yes. Well, um, one, my um, family was into real estate investing, my mom especially. She was an avid investor. She used to read books and go to seminars and sometimes drag me to them as well. Mm-hmm. And I started practicing law in 1991. You know, as a young lawyer, I started taking um, – real estate closings on, this was when I lived in New York where attorneys are involved with everything, including real estate closings. Get my first real estate closing. And I noticed something very interesting uh, about the closing. After the closing was done, there was the seller, the buyer, the brokers, the mortgage person, the title person. Everybody gets a check. And what I noticed was my check was the smallest.
1: Uh-huh.
2: <laughs> I'm the most educated uh-huh. person in the room, and why is my check the smallest? So it, it, it got me curious, and I asked the guy with the biggest check, the seller, to see if he would go to lunch with me and, and tell me a little bit about what he had done. And he had come to America with no money, and uh, less than 10 years later, he was a multimillionaire in real estate. And that really just piqued my interest. And uh, from there on, I started investing and been doing it ever since.
1: Wow. Good for you. You you took what you wanted to learn and you went after it. That's what I like. You went for yeah. it. So so from the early 90s, of course, you're, real estate, or you're an attorney. So when did you really start getting into the real estate investing? Was it um, just from that experience that you liked real estate investing or you just decided that that was something you're
2: going to add to your portfolio? Um, well, I still practice law. I started uh, um, investing in real estate on the side. Mm-hmm. Um, about about a year or two later, I moved to Denver in uh, 1993, and that's when I decided to do real estate uh, much more. For about six years, I did it almost full-time, practiced law very little. and But since then, I've, I've had a balance of you know, I practice law and represent real estate investors. I do real estate investing. And then, um, as you mentioned earlier, I ran the Colorado Association of Real Estate Investors for many, many years, a big uh, real estate investment uh, trade group in Colorado.
1: Mm-hmm. That's really great. Uh, you know, it, real estate is so intriguing to me. I don't know. I, I just I like I said. I started learning about it in Colorado, and I was going to classes, kind of like your mom is going to classes and dabbling here and dabbling there. But when we moved back here to the Midwest, the homes were more affordable, and I decided okay. to start dabbling more here than out in Colorado. So, but now, I mean, I learn about real estate investments from all over. Well, well, all over the world. Actually, I was talking to somebody not too long ago from Hungary, and he was saying if you go about a mile or two out of town, you could buy like an acre of property for like twenty thousand dollars, twenty thousand U.S. dollars. It's like wow. well, it's, to me that's just like, oh my gosh, that that's so intriguing to me. But of course, you always have to look at the um, the financial part of it. You know what you're going to get back from that and all that. So that to me, every time somebody talks about real estate and real estate investing, it just like perks my interest. For years, I was a virtual assistant. I had started my own business. And for a while there, I worked with real estate uh, realtors and learned a little bit more about investing that way. And then I started working with a real estate investor. And that was actually really, I went out with him and looked at different properties. And that's really where my love started as well. Because the more I could look at properties, the more involved I got with it. And the more I knew what to look for and the money, because isn't that a lot of it? I mean, I've never flipped a house. I'll be honest. I've never flipped a house. I usually buy and hold. But when somebody goes going to go out and look at a property, um, depending on what their specialty is. So if they're going to go look at a flip house and how long should they hold it? How long should it turn around? I mean, what's like the general consensus or is there one? And everyone, maybe everything is different.
2: I think it depends on the goals of the investor. Uh, Mm -hmm. If the investor is looking to build equity, long-term wealth, retirement income, then they're going to hold it as long as they can, Uh, Mm -hmm. wait for appreciation and pay it off and just collect cash flow in later years. If they're looking to feed their family – they're going to want to turn it around as quick as possible and get a check as quick as possible. I mean, ideally, um, this is a tax uh, consideration is if you can hold a property a year, 12 months, and then sell it, it's considered uh, by the tax code a capital gain, long-term capital gain, which is a lower tax rate than if you flip it quickly, less than a year. Oh, so I did not really know that. It depends on the goals, the tax issues, you know, what, you know, the the the, the skills of the investor. So the, if the investor doesn't have the skill set to do a major rehab, they might wholesale it to another investor and uh, just make a quick buck. And that can mm-hmm. take
1: weeks. Mhm. Mhm. I guess uh, I knew about um I knew about the um I didn't know about holding it less than a year that would be a higher tax bracket.
2: So that mm-hmm. so right there, i already old, learned something rate, new. Right. Right. As opposed to the twenty percent maximum capital gain rate for long yep. term.
1: Yep, exactly. Yeah, capital gain I definitely know. So capital gain is that depending on each state you live in, or is there because there's a maximum? Is it two years you can hold on to, or does it have to be invested sooner than that?
2: Uh, like if you, you're going no, you to turn on invest it back. Twelve months. 12, oh, 12 months. months. Okay. And that's federal tax code.
1: Okay. So that's 12 months. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't sure. I could. Some people have told me different things. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to ask Bill
2: they will tell me. Most <laughs> states have their own capital gains rules um, but for the state income tax, but um, the federal, which is the big one, is the uh, 12-month holding period. Okay, okay, that's good to know. Okay, awesome.
1: Um, because, I th- and we talked a little bit before the show, I, I do most of mine buy and hold, and most of mine is land. I actually I only have two properties that are um, – that are income producing. And one of them is, is a low producer. And so that's actually on the market now and about sold close on it in a week or two. So when somebody has a low producing property like that and say, okay, well, I'm just going to go, this is a different example. I'm not even going to use that one. So say somebody's got a house that um, if they pay off, then they'll have that income. But right now with the, with the mm-hmm. loan on it, the income is just basically paying the loan. Well say somebody's got maybe another asset over here, maybe a different house over here that um they could sell and then pay off the other one for the income. But that one is but the one that's still holding is appreciating faster. It's in a different town than the one that's producing the income. What would be a right. strategy
0: that, for that?
2: I think that goes back to the investor's goal. Um mm-hmm. there are some neighborhoods and some areas where you can't get cash flow I and mean, L.A. would be a perfect example. It's real hard oh, to buy a, a $700,000 property and, and even break even, so, and mm-hmm. much less make cash flow. But the mm-hmm. appreciation in areas like that when things go up is substantial and over the long term will be substantial. So if they don't need the cash now, um, maybe they need a tax deduction. Um, and they can get the, uh, uh, the, the, the profits later when they sell it uh, many years in the future. Um, then that's fine uh, or you could buy a house in indianapolis for 50 grand and um, get $400 a month cash flow even with a loan um, mm-hmm. so it really depends on what your goals are i mean typically the house the second house i described um, would provide cash flow but probably 10 years from now you know <sighs> worth 50 now might be worth 70 later whereas the one in la worth 700 now might be worth a million too in the future so mm-hmm. it really depends on your what your goals are,
1: right? Right. Yeah. It really and you know each person is different. That's what I'm learning. Each person is different, and each not one person is alike, are they? When they when they go to real estate investing, because when I go to real estate clubs, because we have some locally, everybody is different, and. You know, some people are too scared to even invest in their first property, whereas other people have 50 properties or some people have 10 properties and they're always constantly looking. So it just really depends on, and you really have to take that initiative to start and then maybe figure out, maybe you do a flip and you don't like flipping, but you get the cash flow from that to buy something else to make it work.
2: Right. You know. Right. And and having, having run a real estate organization for 17 years, I could tell you that uh, there's there's hundreds of people at meetings all with different goals, and they're not competition mostly. They're mostly people who could potentially be a partner, could potentially Mm -hmm. be a funder for your deal, could be Mm -hmm. potentially someone you sell a deal to. Um, So uh, it's a lot of synergy when you meet other investors, not necessarily competition, because people have different goals.
1: Right. And I think that's a good thing to note out. It's, (coughs) excuse me. It's not competition because when I go to our the investment uh, meetings around here, it isn't competition, not at all. Matter of fact, we just got an email the other day. Somebody was selling their properties, and they said, we want to give it out to you guys first before we give it to a realtor. And that's perfect because that's what you want. You want that synergy to go with, and then you also gain different ideas and different momentum for what you're trying to do. Because if you try to go it alone, that is not always good. Because sometimes we can get set in our own ways and then not really look at different opportunities or different price points that maybe we never thought. And if you could syndicate with somebody else and get other people to come in with you to be a partner or even a funder, then that was just going to up your ante more that you can afford more.
2: Right. That's right. That's right. Well, and and um, it's... Also, I... I, Go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. What I was going to observe... was having run a real estate group for many, many years, and this ties in with your book and what you do, is that in the beginning, in the early 90s, when I ran the group, it was 90% men. Mm -hmm. Um, Towards the end, it was 50-50, maybe Mm -hmm. even more 60-40 in favor of women. So Mm -hmm. many more women, especially single women, have gotten into real estate investing Mm -hmm. over the last 20 years, and it's encouraging to see that, that it's not just a an old man's business
1: anymore.
2: Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. A lot of young people and especially a lot of young women. Oh, and I think that, you know,
1: and the thing is, if, you know, for me, I like to be able to encourage the the women coming uh, after me, but I'm also encouraged Mm -hmm. by the women that are before me that they're leading Mm -hmm. the path too. A lot of, because I do it, basically, I'll be honest, I'll be doing it by myself. um, And even though I enjoy it, I also look at different people that I could partner with on other properties just because of the fact that after a while, you basically, well, for lack of a better term, you run out of money or you run out of assets or whatever, and then you have to start thinking outside the box. And it's getting to be that way. It's getting to start to thinking thinking outside. And to me, I don't always want to rely on the stock market. I don't always want to rely on those type of things to be able to fund my retirement.
2: Right. So you I'm have, glad you, said you that. have no control over your investment when you invest in the stock market. You're speculating. Right. Um, if a stock goes up or down, you can't do anything to fix that, whereas in real estate, you can. If, right. If the property values um, are not getting enough rent, you can fix it. You could paint it. You could add a room. You could change the zoning. I mean, there are things you can do to make it better. Right.
1: Absolutely. And we have about one minute or actually about 30 seconds until break. So we will go to break here pretty soon. And then when we come back, we're going to talk more about this because this is like my gig. This is what I love to talk about is real estate investing and not a lot of my friends don't. Don't uh, partake in real estate investing. So this is really intriguing to me. So to get to Bill's website or William's website, it's LegalWiz. So that's L-E-G-A-L then W-I-Z dot com. So com. And if you guys have questions for the show, you know you can give me a call. That six four seven two five is for the live show. I'd love to put you on the air if you have questions for the show. And then uh, you can give me a text or a email as well. So ladies and gentlemen, we'll be right back after I've got a special offer just for listeners of Go For It. Visit JoeHosman.com today and get a twenty percent discount off of my most popular three-month coaching package. This is a fifteen hundred dollar value. This discount coupon is available only on my website JoeHosman.com, where you can also get information about other services like strategy sessions, my book, coaching, and training programs, also support for the radio show, and much more. Don't wait. Check out JoeHosman.com for the special offer today. If you are looking for a dynamic speaker for your organization or event, I would love to speak at your venue. Hi, I'm Joe Hosman, the host of Go For It on Voice America. My topics range from starting your own virtual assistant business to living a triumphant life. Right now, one of my most popular topics is from my women empowerment series about support for today's women-built businesses and women in leadership. Visit my website, joehosman.com, or call 605-941-7969 for more information. Again, That's JoeHasman.com or 605-941-7969.
0: We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network.
2: You are listening to Go For It. To reach Joe Hausman with a comment or question about the show, please send an email to joe at joehausman.com. That's J-O at joehausman.com. Now back to Go For It.
1: Welcome back to Go For It, my show here on Voice America. Hey, have you been listening and learning as much as I have learning uh, with Bill Bronchek? He is a real estate investor and attorney in Colorado, and we're just talking about the different things you can do as a real estate investor and also with when he was leading his real estate investing group in Colorado, how it changed like it used to be more gentlemen and men 90% back in the 90s. And now it's turning into more women who are doing real estate investing, which of course, you know, that's what I love doing as well. I am always looking when I'm driving, no matter where I'm going, even when I'm flying, I am always looking at different properties, just Browsing the area, just looking around to see what it is. That's what one thing intrigues me because I want to know about the areas. Like I just returned from Ireland, okay? So when Ireland, I was looking at the different properties, how they go, what they look like, what part of the country. I was from north to south in Ireland and all around the country. So just like what the different parts of the country look like. And it was beautiful and just intriguing to me to see what they do, what their culture is like. So I, I do the same thing around the states. When I'm traveling, which I'll be traveling later today, I do that. I look to see what's out there and what interests and what what is really the hot thing of that city or state that I'm going to. So, <clears throat> excuse me, Bill and I were talking at break. And we're talking about—he's uh, done everything: residential, commercial, hard money loans, and residential is pretty—you know—I mean, you can buy a home, you can flip a home, you can um, buy and hold, buy it and turn around, and sell it right away, you can flip it. I've never flipped a property, but I would—I'm interested in commercial and also hard money loans. Um, so when we talk about commercial around here. We're getting a lot of like retail development like four or five retail spots. I know several people who have put up retail um, uh, retail little market and but sometimes it seems like it's hard to get those rented so bill, when we talk about commercial and we talk about uh, like these little you know retail stores and like there's four of them in there. How does that all work? Um, like I have I know somebody that's got one, and only two of two of the four are filled, and they've yeah. sat on
2: it for now almost two years. Yeah, that's the thing about um, that type of commercial, the strip centers and retail. When it's all full, it's fantastic. It's mm-hmm. low maintenance uh, because the tenants are responsible for most of the uh, fixing things and repairs. Um, And the cash flow will be tremendous. But the problem is when it's bad, it's bad. As you just described, two years without a tenant, um, you could go, if you get some good tenants like a Starbucks or a sandwich shop that would sign a 10-year lease, it's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Um, But when you have small mom and pops that may or may not go to business or move or close down, it, it can get difficult to if unless you're in a prime prime location to re-rent that space and you're going to spend a lot of money fixing it up to suit that tenant as well Mm -hmm. what are some of the uh
1: terms like if somebody owns a little retail strip mall like that what are some of the terms that the that the owners use on those because i know there's different ones but what are some common common ones that they use uh are you talking about with the tenant
2: yeah with the tenant yep um, usually what they're called triple net leases, net, net, mm-hmm. net, which means basically the tenant pays the lease payment. They pay a portion of the property taxes, the maintenance, uh, the insurance, the utilities. So uh, there's really no or not much cost on the landlord. The landlord just gets a net check and that's it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's hey, this, and that uh, has
2: one and, and that's it. That's what yeah. I call it, net, net, net.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly I've always heard it as a triple net lease But I like that net, net, net And that is really I mean, I think that's what most of them do around here At least what I've heard yeah. Is a triple net lease it's, You know, it's going save to the, save the owner But you're right If they can't get it rented whoo man, that would be That's the scary part about real estate You yeah, build these yeah. brand new buildings And then you can't get them rented
2: Right. And and that's what's one of the great things about other types of commercial like uh, apartment buildings. Mm -hmm. You can rent little pieces and parts of it as long as you have uh, a certain number of tenants you're breaking even. So if you like a single family house, you you lose a tenant for two months and that could be pretty painful. Whereas Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm. in a 10 unit apartment building, if you lose two tenants, you still have eight
0: right yeah
2: paying their payments so you can pay your expenses and you know there's more turnover but you're not losing everything for the month you're only right. losing a small portion
1: <clears throat> that's right <clears throat> excuse me and that's right if you have a around here now and i know it's here a four unit a four unit apartment is still considered residential but after four units mm-hmm. then it's considered commercial right
2: right that's correct right
1: yeah yeah so if you have a four unit and it's and then also for loans, it's a different it's a different loan system, right? So if you do a residential Correct. loan, you're gonna have different terms than a commercial loan.
2: Correct. Usually mm-hmm. one to four family is residential lending, five mm-hmm. family and up is commercial lending. And the same mm-hmm. with appraisals too. Appraisers look at one to four family using one method, the same method they use for single family houses, whereas five or more, they're going to rely on um, the income uh, approach to the uh, appraisal of the property.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm selling a commercial property right now, and they're having a hard time with the appraisal just because they have to do an in-house appraisal, just because of the fact right. that there hasn't been a lot of sales of that kind of property. Right. Um. Recently, so whereas a single-family home or a one-to-four unit, there's lots of lots of them like that, and it's easier to get sure. the appraisal than it would be for a commercial property.
2: Correct. Correct. And yeah. sometimes you get a property that's very unique, uh, mm-hmm. or in an area that's somewhat rural, where there hasn't been a sale, you know, it, within a mile of the property, which is pretty much the standard um, method that appraisers use. They have to. Uh, extrapolate the best they can and try to figure out what, what's this property worth. And, and and an appraisal may not be the real value. A real value is what someone's willing to pay for it. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, yeah.
2: Uh, an appraisal is just an
1: opinion. And mine is in a rural area. And so when they are looking, and even when I had to do mine, you know, my loan, um, they said, there's no others like that. <laughs> I said, I know, but make it happen. (laughs) Um, I do have a question from a listener. Hang on just a second here. Let me just open this up. Um, Okay, so Linda is asking, hey, Joe, my sister and I are listening. We have a question. Oh, her question is, what are the legal actions you can take with a tenant who is neglecting the property and frequently late with payments? And I'm assuming this must be residential. Well, either residential or commercial. So, what would be right. the answer for that? Well, that's more
2: common in residential. Um, yeah. it, it, there's two ways you can evict a tenant one is for non payment, and one is for breach of the lease agreement. Mm-hmm. So, if the lease agreement says you have to keep the property in good repair and clean and so forth, and they're not, um, the landlord can give a notice giving the tenant a certain amount of time. It's different from state to state, usually five to ten days, to correct that. And if they don't, then you can go to court and start an eviction, not for nonpayment but for violation of the lease terms that they've uh, set forth in the notice. Oh, okay. Also, many states have a law that says while they are paying rent, if they pay late more than, let's say, uh, three times in a six-month period – that's a breach of the lease, and you can evict them for that purpose, even oh, they're interesting. Still paying but paying late.
1: Interesting. I did not know that part of it. Huh.
2: I know. So late um, isn't a big deal as long as they pay the late fee. That's, you know, it's enough to cover the mortgage yeah, a lot of people. So late, right. late isn't a big deal if it's five days late, but if it's 20 days late, that's a problem.
1: That's a problem, and especially when you're trying, you know, if you're maybe low on cash anyway, and you're trying to make your own Mm -hmm. mortgage payment, and then trying, you have to make that payment, and then, and sometimes, you know, I've had the experience where they don't pay the late payment, and you're you have to try to get that out of them, and it's like pulling Mm -hmm. teeth just to get their actual regular rent out of them, let alone the late payment.
2: So, now what happens? There's a way to handle that. Just before we go on, there's a way to handle that. If your lease says all payments that are received by the landlord first go to late fees and then to rent. If they pay late, but only the base rent, then you subtract the late fee out of that and then send them another notice that said you're short on your rent. And that way, if they don't pay it, you can evict them. Uh
1: Uh-huh. Wow, very clever. I had not heard of that, but that is uh, wonderful, and I hope, Linda, I hope you and your sister are listening to that, because that was just another new tidbit I just learned. Uh, I'm going to use that, too, because I don't believe I've ever used that before. I will say, I had a a friend of mine that she was renting a house in Colorado, actually, and this was, oh, 10 years ago, maybe, and... The people that she ran to, which, of course, were friends, but she said they just destroyed the house. They, she, Her and her husband had put a bunch of money into it, and then they moved out to the country. And the people that moved in just destroyed the house. And she couldn't get them out. It took her a while to get them out. How does something, is that, that's basically breach of the contract because they destroyed the house and they let their dog go to the bathroom inside the house and... Ruined all the new carpet that was put in and all that. But it took them a while. It took them three, four months to get the people out because they, the people weren't going willingly.
2: Well, one of the easiest ways to get rid of a bad tenant mm-hmm. is to just pay the money to go away. Oh. That's hmm. what banks do. Banks, when they foreclose properties, often send a letter to the former uh, owner now you know, squatter tenant, mm-hmm. uh, we'll give you X dollars to move on. Now, some people get emotional and say, "Well, I'm not paying the tenant money; they owe me, and they destroyed my house."
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, don't get emotional about it. <laughs> like mm-hmm. Tony Soprano says, it's just business. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can bribe, essentially, a tenant cash to mm-hmm. leave the place. Not only, and you don't give them the money until they're out. Um, right. Leave the place, broom clean, no junk, no furniture, clean with the keys and then sign a release and you give them the money. Because if you, if you evict someone and they leave behind enough furniture that it costs you $1,500 to hire a crew and a roll-off to empty it, I'd rather give the 1500 to the tenant.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah.
2: Well, I can see where people would get
1: um, upset. And you're right. It's business. You have to consider it as a business. and not, And just like when you buy a home or buy a property, you really shouldn't get emotionally involved with it. You know, it's business. If it's not making the money that you expect it to make, you need to move on with it. Hey, easier said than done, I know. I get it. But for me, it's when this property that I'm selling right now, it wasn't sustaining and it wasn't bringing in the cash flow that I wanted. It was time to move on. And so I can use the profits from it and move on to something mm-hmm. that will give me the cash flow from it. And the same thing right. with somebody when they trash a house. Um yeah, it would be hard to give them money, but if they're willing to clean it up and leave it in good shape so you can turn around and rent it to somebody else who's going to keep it in good shape, then it'd be worth it, and then you avoid all the legalities with it too.
2: Exactly. It's not what's fair, it's, what, it's what's cheaper.
1: Right, exactly. I uh, just got another message from Linda. She goes, whoa, interesting. Thank you, Joe and Bill. You are a huge help. We love listening to you. So okay. thank you, Linda and sister. I don't even know their sister's name, but thank you guys so much. Thank you for that great question. Because that is, I think that happens so often. I think that happens so much with people. And then if they don't have like a real estate investing group to go to, or they're just basically soloing it, they don't know where to go or where to turn or what to do. Right. I mean, so I know when, when I first started off years ago, I didn't know what to do. I mean, I had a tenant that was, she was wonderful. She was Young gal, she always paid her rent on time. And then all of a sudden she went, out, she went out. on vacation and her rent started getting later and later, but I felt bad for her, I guess. And I shouldn't have felt bad for her, but I did. And to the point that she wasn't paying until the 15th or the 20th. And finally I said, look, you either have to pay on the first or you, know, you have to move out. And we ended up parting on bad terms, which was okay. And she moved out and I rented it to somebody else. But those are the things that happen. Those are the things that can happen to you, but you can't look at it from that way. You have to look at it from the business side of it and what the financial gains are for you and what it's going to do for your business, your real estate investing business. That's right. Right? Yeah. So we're almost at break again. We only have about four minutes until break, but I want to talk a little bit about hard money loans and we could start now before break and then get into it too after our break but so what hard money loans and I know about them I've heard about them I've listened to speeches on them I just have never done them uh, I really am that's interesting to me and it's intriguing to me so when people don't have money or they're they're you know they don't want to loan out what they have already is that where the hard money loans come into play or how does that work
2: Well, hard money loans, they're called hard money because they're high interest rates and Mm -hmm. um, they're they're expensive loans, but they're short-term loans. Mm -hmm. Typically, an investor who doesn't have or doesn't want to use all his cash to buy, fix, and flip a property will borrow a certain percentage of the purchase price from a private lender called a hard money lender. That could be an individual with money or a small company that does it. Um, it's not the regular qualification of a standard bank loan you don't have to perfect credit you don't have to necessarily uh show your tax returns that uh, each lender is a little different but it's fairly easy to qualify for but it you know 12% interest per mm-hmm. Adam, um, mm-hmm. two or three uh per origination points up front so it's pretty expensive mm-hmm. but- If you think about it, um, what's cheaper, that or bringing on a partner with the money and paying 50% of the profit? Um, the hard money loan will cost you about 20 to 25% of the profit. A partner will cost you half. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm
1: -hmm. So
2: a lot of times a hard money is is just a means to an end. It's a short term loan. You should be able to buy, fix, and flip a house in less than six months. So, um, it's not going to eat away all your profit. And mm-hmm. it could be very, uh, it's the availability of the money, not the cost of it that
1: counts. Right, yep. And if they don't go through, and if you can get the, the money quicker, it's going to be a lot easier than having to go through the traditional loan pro- pro- process of it. And then you can get them paid off quicker too once you sell that property.
2: Right? right. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. Uh, Assuming you you know do it in, within the six month uh, loan period or whatever term you borrow.
1: Do they usually loan out longer than a year? Do hard money lenders loan out longer than a year?
2: Some. Okay. Most of them will do six to 12 months. Um, I recommend probably doing a nine-month loan. You can always pay it off early.
1: Okay. um, Because
2: sometimes your buyer doesn't qualify when you go to resell it, and you have to get Mm -hmm. a new buyer. Mm -hmm. Something goes wrong, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, Don't leave yourself short because the hard money loan may be 12% interest. You think that's high the note usually says once the six months is up and you don't pay, it's 21%. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's a good idea to be on the safe side and be conservative.
1: And that's why it's always good to have a attorney in your corner, (laughs) attorney in your back pocket. Absolutely. So we'll be right back after break, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Hopefully you're getting great advice. I do have another question when I come back from break for Bill about lease agreements and, um, those type of things. So ladies and gentlemen, if you're one, interested in the show or interested in learning more about Bill, LegalWiz.com is his website, or you know mine, it's com. And ladies and gentlemen, we'll be right back after break.
2: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
1: If you are looking for a dynamic speaker for your organization or event, I would love to speak at your venue. Hi, I'm Joe Hosman, the host of Go For It on Voice America. My topics range from starting your own virtual assistant business to living a triumphant life. Right now, one of my most popular topics is from my Women Empowerment series about support for today's women-built businesses and women in leadership. Visit my website, johosman.com or call 605-941-7969 for more information. Again, that's johosman.com or 605-941-7969. I've got a special offer just for listeners of go for it. Visit joehasman.com today and get a 20% discount off of my most popular three month coaching package. This is a $1,500 value. This discount coupon is available only on my website JoeHosman.com, where you can also get information about other services like strategy sessions, my book, coaching, and training programs. Also, support for the radio show and much more. Don't wait. Check out JoeHosman.com for the special offer today.
2: We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Listening to Go For It. To reach Joe Hausman with a comment or question about the show, please send an email to joe at Joehausman.com. That's J O at joehausman.com. Now back to Go For It.
1: Welcome back to Go For It with me, Joe, and my wonderful guest expert, Bill bronchek Ladies and gentlemen, have you been getting a lot of great information? I love real estate investing. I love everything about, well, maybe not everything about it, but if you consider it a business, it is the way to go. Hey, Bill, I do have another question. And that's from uh, Linda and Elvina. So we have another question. It says, what if there's no lease agreement? They're friends with no lease. So apparently that's going to go back to that residential uh, about, she was asking what what are the legal actions you can take with a tenant neglecting the property and frequently late. So I think this goes along with that. What if there's no lease agreement because they're friends with no
2: lease? Right. So um, if there's no lease agreement, it's presumed to be a month-to-month tenancy. Okay. Uh, Or if a lease is expired, it's a month-to-month, which means that all you have to do, uh, and, and um, this is probably about 48 states. There might be a state or two that give, requires more notice, but usually 30 days notice. You can give them in mm-hmm. writing that you want to terminate it, and it could be for any reason at all or none, except if it's something discriminatory or, or something like that, but uh, if you just say, well, I don't like you anymore and I don't want you, here," or I want to sell the house or I want a new tenant or I want to raise the rent, whatever it is, you can terminate it on 30 days notice. Now, Just important to notice that today is the uh, 27th. Okay. So Mm -hmm. if you want them to be gone, uh, you have to give notice before the first of the next month. That's when the 30 day runs. It can't be from, you know, you can't give them notice today to be out 30 days from now. It's before the end of the month to be out the the end of the following month. Does that make sense? Yes. Definitely makes sense. The end of October.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I used to be a property manager of sixty-unit apartment complex, and we used mm-hmm. to have to do that too. It had to be by it had to yeah. be by the first because then they had to be out by the end of the month. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. And some do. You, does some states have more of a leniency toward the renters and more leniency toward the owners? I've heard that a lot, and i I've, I've never really experienced yes. it. But are some states like that?
2: Yes. Um, the coastal states. Uh, new york new england chicago illinois california washington tend to be more pro-tenant which means they may give them uh, the tenant a break or an extra time or when i used to practice in new york i used to do rent controlled evictions and rent control apartments, and the judge would just not even care about the fact that the landlord has a mortgage and taxes to pay. They would let the tenant go on. even with a partial payment it would give them more time. And in the Midwest and the South, it's pretty much, you don't pay, you are out.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and I've heard that. I, like I said, I've never experienced it myself and that's why it's good to know maybe what States are more landlord friendly and what are more tenant friendly. Well, and maybe that will deter or, yeah. you know, decide where you're going to invest in because i've heard because i had robert helms on the show with the real estate radio guys and he said uh, live where you want to live but invest where the money makes sense and so i think about that like when i travel that's why i'm always looking to see like how much properties are and everything of course i'm always i'm always uh Promoting this, the Midwest and South Dakota because of you know we have a low tax we have low tax breaks here and people you know the for the most part the houses are a um, little less expensive however also the incomes are less ex, you know are less than what maybe is normal like in Colorado. I know when we moved mm-hmm. back here from Colorado we had more square footage in in the house here and it was a hundred thousand dollars less than. The house in Colorado. So you just have to go where, where where you want to live, and then but invest where the numbers make sense. So,
2: And I, right. I've always and then, tried to and live. And that, that, that counts for the town you live in. Uh, you don't necessarily buy houses where you want to live. You buy yeah. houses where the money is. And a yeah. lot of times that's lower end neighborhoods, but you're not living there. You're just investing there. Right.
1: Absolutely. And you know what? If you want to step outside your box a little bit invest in other states, you know, and maybe if you want to invest in another country, it just depends on what what you feel comfortable with. Again, it's all about your business and what you feel comfortable with with investing or start off a little bit like where you're at and then move on to other things. You just never know what's going to pop up or when you start working or going to these real estate investing groups, who's all going to be there and what you're going to learn from there because people know people that
2: you don't know. So, and, let's talk about... Um, I bought properties and sold properties and rented properties that I've never seen. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I had a gal <laughs> one time, 20-some years ago. I had lived in another state, and she was interested in moving to that state. Now, this was 20-some years ago, before the internet and all that. She right. bought Sight Unseen. She absolutely loved the house. Absolutely loved it. And I hear that a lot, that people buy without even ever seeing the house. And now, you can, of course, you can do virtual tours and all that, but... You know, 20 years ago, she couldn't. So, yeah, good for you. I I, I find that intriguing, but if the numbers make sense, you know, might as well jump on it and do it. Yes, they do. Absolutely. So yeah. let's talk a little bit one before the end I of the show now. Yeah, oh,
2: yeah. go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was going to say one time I bought a property in what I was described as a lower-end neighborhood in Florida before I, I I never saw it. I bought it because the numbers worked. And mm-hmm. about a year later, I visited it, and I had nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> I didn't realize how bad. I mean, the money was good, but when I saw the neighborhood, I said, oh, my Lord, I'm a slumber.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, talk about that. Where is the most interesting property or state that you bought in?
2: Oh, boy. Um, interesting property? Mm-hmm. Well, there's so many of them. This was, this was a funny story. I bought a house from a guy who bought it. It was a a wreck. He intended to gut it, you know, take everything out and redo it. Mm -hmm. He took everything out but the walls, the four standing walls, basically. Mm -hmm. There was no rooms. There was no stairs. There was nothing. Mm -hmm. Um, You open the front door and there's the back door. So (laughs) while he was doing this, he was living in a trailer in the back of the house for Mm -hmm. two years. Oh, jeez! Two years Mm -hmm. he lived in a trailer. And he... and, And the city brought him in you know, gave him violation, saying, you have to finish this project. And the judge threatened to throw him in jail mm-hmm. oh, because geez. he had taken so long to do this, and it was just a, a disaster. Mm-hmm. And we did eventually buy the property. It took me a year of negotiating to get the guy to make a decision. I mean, he was just one of these people who could not make a decision about anything.
0: I oh, mean, he wow. said, how
2: could you live in a little – I'm not talking about a real trailer. I'm talking about a, like a 12-foot trailer. Mm-hmm. in the back of the house. Um, oh and we eventually got him to, to get off his duff and sell the property. And uh, we bought it, put it back together, made money.
1: Oh, wow. Isn't that weird how some people just can't make – I sometimes think I can't make a decision. But two years, three years, yeah, I, I can make a decision before
2: then. <laughs> and the way, the way I found the house was I was doing a seminar on real estate teaching a seminar, and I was talking about motivated sellers. So the videographer who was videying it says, you know, I should know someone like that. A friend of mine who does video stuff, he's probably pretty motivated. And you'd figure two years in a trailer you'd be motivated, but he mm-hmm. wasn't.
1: Mm. Well, is that hopefully in a warmer state that he didn't have to have the <laughs> you know heater on? <laughs> my gosh. <laughs> but, you know, hey, look, good for you guys, though. You able to buy it, and then you made some money from it, and – you know, all is well, but boy, I tell you what, that, that's a long time. I don't know. I know some people do things like that, but ooh, sometimes you have to think of your sanity after a while, and you have to figure out, especially if you're being um, threatened to be put in jail to get the property done, there's a problem. Yeah. Okay. Well, Bill, let's talk about corporations, and when somebody goes and buys, de- decides they're going to be in real estate investing, should they put all their properties, and I don't... I, all the legal stuff I know is kind of hard to do. But should they all put them into like LLCs, C corps, or anything like that, or should they do it individually by name, or how should they do that?
2: Well, I will give you the lawyer answer. It depends. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> so
2: usually people um, don't do anything. They just hold it in their own name and rent, rent, rent it out as landlord. Mm -hmm. Um, which has a lot of risks because of potential liabilities of the property, the tenants, and so forth. Um, So uh, the more savvy landlords will form, usually an LLC, sometimes a corporation, depending on Mm -hmm. the state, depending on the tax situation of the investor, uh, some sort of corporate entity to protect themselves from liability. Mm -hmm. Um, And if they have multiple properties, they might have multiple LLCs. Mm-hmm. Because if you hold all your properties in one LLC, that'll protect you from liability. But if they sue the LLC that owns all the properties, they can get to all the properties. So they'll, they'll they break up the basket and use multiple entities.
1: Gotcha. How many should you hold in an LLC? How many what? How many properties should you hold in an LLC?
2: That's a you know it depends answer again.
0: No, (laughs) um,
2: every state. I love the lawyer answers. (laughs) Yeah, the cost in California is eight hundred dollars a year. The cost in Colorado is twenty dollars a year for an entity. So (laughs) interesting. um, You know, and and there's other things. There's paperwork, bank accounts, bookkeeping. You know, there's there's a lot of. Things that go into that discussion, so I can't give you a you know a definite answer. How many properties before you form another one? Um,
0: mm-hmm. It really
2: is something you should talk with your tax advisor and your attorney about to make sure that it is appropriate for you.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and just to protect yourself too, I would think you know. A- Everybody I know does it all differently. They all have their different style of what they want to do. So whatever makes you feel comfortable and after you you know, after you check with your attorney or tax advisor and or both, it's the best to check with them first, like you said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like the lawyer answers. Yeah. It all depends.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah. And also, <laughs> insurance is important, too.
0: You oh, should not carry yes. a
2: lot of insurance. And yes. Most people go for a standard policy because they're looking for cheap. Standard mm-hmm. policy may only cover $300,000 of liability protection. If someone gets seriously injured or killed in a property, in a fire, a jury could return a multi-million dollar verdict. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not enough. You have to I call know. your insurance agent and see how you get a million or maybe get two million. Yeah, absolutely. that's your first line of defense, insurance. Absolutely.
1: Insurance is so important. So, so important. Well, Bill, we only have a couple minutes left until the end of the show. And so what I ask every one of my guests, and I thank you so much for all this great information. I know we didn't talk politics <laughs> like what you wanted, but we talked great real estate investing, and I so appreciate that. But would, uh, what lasting words of advice would you be able to leave with my worldwide audience today?
2: Well, I was going to bring in politics and say don't do business like Trump, but I'll leave that to the side for now. What you should be thinking—well, you can say that, is, I guess. You, what you, well, Trump doesn't know anything about buying a duplex, right? <laughs> so, exactly. Um, a small investor should be thinking about goals first. Or what am I trying to accomplish here? Short term, long term, one year, three years, five years, long term, um, and then come up with a business plan that that, ero- that revolves around that. And you have to think, you know, 10 years from now, what do I want my life to be like? Where do I want to send my kids to school? What do I want my day to be like? Um, and then figure it out in math and numbers. How much cash flow do you need? How much cash do you need? And then go about your real estate investing uh, congruent with that. So if you need $10,000 a month to retire, in, that's great. And, or maybe you buy ten houses and pay them off, and then you have ten thousand dollars a month. And the uh-huh. great thing about that is, inflation will bring up the number. So if you say I'm going to buy ten houses now, that if they were free and clear, produced ten thousand a month, ten years from now, inflation, you know, ten thousand won't be worth as much, but the rents will be higher. Right. Right. They'll Absolutely. keep up inflation. So that's one of the great things about real estate.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Bill. Thank you for your great words of wisdom today. And also thank you for waiting to be on my show. We've had a couple other hiccups to try to get him on the show and be my hiccups. And so you know what, thank you so much. I appreciate all of that. Ladies and gentlemen, as you know, I love for you to reach your full potential of becoming bigger, better, bolder, and stronger with each and every day. So you can check out my website, johosman.com. Right there, you know you have that free 20-minute consultation for my Go For It media group to help you get you on uh, more media to expose your business and to grow your business. But remember, first and foremost, you know what? Always remember, you are stronger than what you give yourself credit for. So go out and be great today. Be great always. And along the way, show us. Some- kindness and love wherever you go be a blessing to others until next week ladies and gentlemen have a great week god bless
0: thank you for listening to go for it be sure to come back next thursday at 8 a.m pacific time and 11 a.m eastern time for another edition with your host joe hausman on the voice america business channel have a great day and an even better week